Hello and welcome to this week's episode of From the Gravel Trap podcast. I'm Josh Chambers. And I'm James Stanley. And on today's episode, we're going to have a look at the review from the Le Mans GP and do our predictions for the three races in the Superbike category. Yes, and of course, the podcast is brought to you by Beyond Motorsport, the only organisation offering career transition support for the motorsport community. Uh, so we'll start off uh, looking at the Le Mans races. Uh, a unpredictable weekend, as always. Yeah, Le Mans always like that. Like, sure. it, no matter when they go, always seems to be wet. But well, they... or half wet, half dry, as it seems <laughs> yeah. to be. Yeah, they do. I think they do need to probably look at going more summertime when it's warm because those track temperatures were so low, and they always are. It, it, no wonder they crash so much. Yeah, Alicia Spargo uh, making the point on the on the Saturday after qualifying that he thinks they should go there at a different time of year because it it was just an absolute crash fest over the weekend. I think it was a hundred and eighteen crashes total. It's it's mental when you think about it, and so many of that turn three. Yeah, unbelievable. Uh, we'll we'll start our, our review um, with the Moto Three category, and as you brought up Turn Three, Turn Three there, lap one, um, it was it was sort of chaos going in, and one of our championship, uh, well, my championship pick Binder and my race pick Mino getting tangled up together. Oh, how how Binder did not come off there! I couldn't believe it. He, it was a it was a great save, especially considering the conditions. Yeah, absolutely incredible. Uh, it, just so lucky. He didn't have um, a, a sort of good recovery in the race. He did uh, carry on round, but finishing down in 20th place down, Binder, so no points for him this weekend. Yeah, it certainly wasn't helped with the uh, crash he had on lap nine. No, not at all. I mean, not the only one to crash and, and rejoin. Um, Pedro Acosta, the the champion elect at the moment with the lead he has at, at, at this fifth round, he crashed out um, of uh, on lap three uh, at turn three again and remounted, and he came through to finish in eighth. Yeah, it was actually quite. He got quite lucky with the aspect that it was he lost the front quite late, so it was going quite slow, and he was able to hold on to the bike. And I think he only lost ten seconds in the entire crash. <laughs> yeah, and over the weekend, unfortunately, it wasn't his first crash of the weekend. He seemed to have perfected getting himself under the bike, getting the clutch in, getting the bike up, and getting going again. Yeah, what can't that boy do? <laughs> <laughs> well. Exactly. I mean, Akiyo must have been fuming he didn't just uh, win from falling off. <laughs> yeah. But no, they must have been so happy with the result, um, especially, you know, with Masia, his teammate, crashing uh, on lap two from third place and having to go and get checked over at the medical centre. Yeah, it was, it was a relatively nasty crash as well. Yes, coming out that last corner, we saw a, a couple of crashes there. Antonelli crashed out there in the lead on lap one as well. Yeah, and he did. It had a great first lap. It's just a such an easy, easy crash to make at that final corner because we've we've seen all through the classes and especially in the GP crash the class. It's so easy just to lose the rear through the corner, not even on the throttle sometimes. Well, exactly, and and uh, Carlos Tatai crashed on the sighting lap and managed <laughs> to get round to the grid. Uh, he didn't finish the race, having to retire from the race. But even you know, not in the races, we had people coming off early in the day. 
Maybe. <laughs> we saw multiple times just coming out of pit lane was deadly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes, yeah. so, uh, Maverick Vinyal is. Uh, we'll probably come to this a bit later, but crashing coming out on the the Friday practice just straight out the pit lane. Yeah, it's it's such a tough track. <laughs> yeah, but looking to the top, uh, three men who looked absolutely flawless in the wet. Uh, a, a win for Sergio Garcia on the Aspar Gas Gas bike. Yeah, he was absolutely superb. He, at times it looked like he was maybe pushing too hard <laughs> and it was a bit nervous because he had a few moments here and there, especially um, was it coming out of turn four up over the hill. I think he lost the rear coming into the Chappelle there. But... Yeah, and running wide um, at turn eight on lap 13 as well, just to, heading towards the end of the race. It was like, come on, settle down now. Don't do anything yeah. silly. And he was obviously followed up by Philip Salach, who had an incredible race. Yeah, I mean, he's someone that... So we talked about him a little bit pre-season when he was quick at the test, and we said maybe he likes Qatar. But he was also uh, up and around the leaders in Spain. So really something coming to fruition perhaps helps by the weather i think yeah but, and um, especially with his build as well because he's quite a tall gangly looking person on the moto three bike and being tall certainly does help in the wet conditions yeah getting that traction down uh on the racetrack uh he was uh followed by ricardo rossi getting his first uh podium i believe in the in the moto three class yeah he had a he had a fantastic weekend overall really didn't he yeah, absolutely fantastic. It's great to see uh, some people different up there on the podium. Um, fourth place, a great recovery for John McPhee. Finally, John gets some points on the board. Yeah, it was a very good, clever ride. It's just a shame he made that mistake. Is it, was it into Garage Ver, where he just ran wide? If it wasn't for that, maybe he, caught, he could have caught Rossi. But I think certainly, beginning of that race, he would have took a fourth. Yeah, yeah, and, and all important points, you know, he's opened his account now. We we said after the Hereth GP, you know, is the championship out of the question? It, it, it's going to be a massive ask and he'll have to have a hell of a lot of luck on his side, but at least he's opened his account now. Yeah, and he was followed up by his good friend, Ayuma Sasaki. I had him for the podium. Didn't, didn't quite get there, but he certainly made a good account for himself. And I think yeah, we can get rid of the crash <laughs> yeah it. yeah after being one of the one of the few that didn't crash out of the race at one point or another i think we can uh, put that one to bed now but a great uh, the highest of our predicted podium finishes in fifth there for a yuma sasaki a great <laughs> such position. a hard race to predict <laughs> yeah absolutely unbelievable i mean if we go down uh, behind him sixth adrian fernandez on the husqvarna um having a great ride there up into sixth. Xavier Artigas, seventh. Uh, a, a good ride from him. I, showing... was, I was very impressed with Artigas. Considering maybe the lack of thinking in the first Qatar race, he he did seem like he, he, it was a very mature ride. Yeah. For what is yeah. a very young rider. Yeah, because we know he's got pace. We've seen it. We've seen some rash moves and some bad luck. But here... Taking, you know, nine points, solid points and a seventh place finish within the top 10. Really good. Yeah, it's, it's what you want from a... You've got to, what you've got to remember is he's actually still a rookie, isn't he? So. Yeah, exactly. And uh, he, you know, beat across the line Pedro Acosta. We said he, he slipped off uh, earlier on in the race, but 
an absolutely amazing recovery um, for for Pedro Acosta to get up there to eighth place. Yeah, it was it it was it was a good ride. It was obviously taking out the fall. He maybe pushed a bit too hard, a bit too soon. Because when when he did crash, he looked like he was way too hot in there, trying to make you trying to make too many moves too quick. I think. Yeah, yeah, but an excellent recovery and obviously showing the pace that he could have had if he'd been up near the front. Yeah. Uh, ninth place, Dennis Onchu, uh, finishing the race this time. Brilliant. <laughs> a good set of points as well. Yeah, it was a good ride from Dennis and he was followed up by Romano Fanati. I was quite disappointed with being one of the more experienced people. I would have expected him to have a better race in those Yeah, races. also, you know, Romano Fanati's got quite a bit of form in the wet as well. Yeah, was, was, it, uh, was it Masano where he won by like 40 seconds in the rain? Yeah, absolutely unbelievable. Just disappeared. So I expected, you know, especially after following on from his podium last time out, I expected a bit more from Fanati. But um, yeah, like we said, is he becoming the uh, the Marcel Schotter of the Moto3 class? Well, he's there in 10th place. <laughs> yeah, he could be. Um, and I'll, I'll just mention our, the 11th place finisher, Andrea Migno. If I was picking him for pole positions instead of wins, I'd be doing really well right now. <laughs> he would be. <laughs> pole again uh, for Migno, backing up at least uh, my prediction that he would have pace over the weekend, but unfortunately finishing down in 11th after a few moments and obviously tangling with Darren Binder at the beginning of the race. Yeah, it was a. He did have a few moments, as you said, through. So just to just to get just some points on the boards, the main thing, especially in those conditions. Yeah, exactly. And, and what a fantastic race! And we we love to see some different people up there on the podium. And and what a moment for those three guys. Yeah, it it, it is it is great to see. Well, we'll move on to the Moto Two class. Uh, this. Again, mixed conditions, but a bit more along the lines of what we expected this week. Yeah, it was started with the damp patches, but it was declared the dry race. And thankfully, it didn't rain in the race. So it had better conditions as the race went along. Yeah, not without its uh, drama. Of course, quite a few people, quite a few favourites, I should say, dropping out of this one. Uh, One of our favourites, Aaron Cannett. Uh, on the Boscos Guerrero dropping out on uh, on lap one. Big crash that was as well. Yeah, it was big. And at a place that, well, he nearly <laughs> lost his finger last year. Mm. Yeah, and... d- definitely doesn't have good memories of Le Mans. No, certainly not. Um, another one up there who was looking more on form and you predicted him to get on the podium, Augusto Fernandez crashing out on lap two. Yeah, that, I think it was that final corner again, was it? It's just so easy to catch people out. Yeah, exactly. And and talking of catching people out, Sam Lowe's catching out uh, Xavier Vierge uh, on lap four, just trying to sort of go up the inside and losing the front. It, it was, I think that was very, it was a very poor move from Sam. Um, he was trying to say, I think it, it looked like he was like gesticulating that Vierge like squeezed him a bit on the inside, but there was. There was no need to make the move when he did. He, he seemed he seemed impatient, like he really needed to get past. There was no real rush. You know the season's going to be a long one. You just need to get the points. You could have sat behind him for a bit and not risked it going up the inside on the wet patches. Uh, yeah, and it's. I feel like it's something we're seeing from Sam this year. Is in the opening laps of races, he seems to be, like you said, a bit impatient. I mean, uh, 
we saw it um, at Portimao. He crashed in the first corner because he dropped down, tried to make up places literally into the first corner, and the bike flicked him off. Yeah, he, 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 he's the thing, it's frustrating because he's an experienced rider, and, he, and he, he, you know he knows it. It's just under the pressure, can he keep his cool? And it's it. We obviously want him to do it, but it's just it's a bit frustrating these last couple of races because I mean, you can see if he just stays on the bike, he'll be in, he'll be on for a good result. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's just going to be settling down at the start of the race and and letting the race come to him a bit more, I think, because his his t- championship contenders uh, are starting to pull away from him now. Exactly, like the maybe we didn't point out Raul as being a championship contender to start with but he's certainly up there and Remy and Bezeke all three of them really good finishes in this race yeah and exactly and all three of them finishing the top three in the race of course Raul Fernandez uh, an excellent win winning by a second and a half over his teammate Remy Gardner in the end uh, and Raul he just looks so comfortable on that, that bike now yeah first first pole position of his Moto2 career from pole for the win he he looked unbeatable all weekend it was very 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 impressive from Ralph. yeah absolutely and Remy Gardner a smart ride not pushing too much in tricky conditions but he did have to he, he did keep Ralph Fernandez honest um and a, a good finish by Remy banging 20 points again yeah and then he was followed up by your championship pick Marco Bezzecchi it was a much much better ride. I, I think you're feeling a bit more happy about him now yes yes I, <laughs> I I'm not gonna say I'm disappointed in any way by his, his racing this weekend. He he had a great qualifying too, second on the grid, um and and backing up that form. Uh, a sensible ride as well, just uh beating the rookie who it is brilliant to see up there, Tony Arbellino. Oh, it was an absolutely sublime ride by Tony. It was he was so impressive and it's like you said, it's so great to see him up there because you you were a big fan of like he's said to me before of him in Moto3. He just seems like a really happy-go-lucky, likeable person. Absolutely. Yes, I was a massive fan of uh, Tony Arbolino in the Moto3. I did want him to win that championship last year. Didn't quite come off. If but, it wasn't for uh, COVID, he, he may have done. Yeah, sitting next to the wrong person on a flight. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he definitely showed amazing potential through his Moto3 career and hopefully... This is the kickstart he he needs, and it wasn't just helped out by the weather. But either way, um, beating some more experienced riders and staying on the bike to finish fourth is, you know, you can't knock that. Exactly, and he was followed up by a person that started off the season quite well, Bo Benschneider. Yeah, so your your favourite Moto2 rider, Bo Benschneider, finishing up there in fifth, he'd actually, we didn't realise... He'd had arm pump surgery and he'd been dealing with arm pump problems from the first round. Yeah, which really does explain why over one lap he's, all, he's been quick and he's started the race as good and then he's faded. We wasn't sure why, but obviously that that really does <laughs> show why. And well, now he's had it done and you can see the immediate effect of that. Exactly. And and looking so much stronger. I'll be really interested to say, to keep an eye on Bo going forward and uh, be interested to see whether you pick him for any more podiums. Maybe I will. <laughs> he was followed up by Mr. Consistency, Marcel Schrotter, sixth place this week. The Schrotter line makes a leap up four places in the race this week. Yes, it, it was, a, again, a nice, steady ride from Marcel. 
very sensible. You could see he was used an experienced ride, just n- never pushed too hard, which is maybe he's been his issue in the past. He doesn't maybe push the bike to the limit because, as we pointed out in the pre-season, he's over the last three seasons he's barely crashed. Yeah, yeah, just uh, doesn't perhaps push enough when it's in dry races and get those elbows out a bit more. But in these mixed conditions, it's absolutely perfect. Even though this was a dry race, but it did have those damp patches where you needed to be smart. Yeah, yeah. He uh, beats our rising star from last week, uh, Ayagura, finishing there in seventh. Another good finish for him, The rookie, in, another rookie in the class. Yeah, another top ten for I. He's really showing good consistency, which is quite remarkable for a Moto2 rookie. If you took out Ralph Fernandez, it'd be, like we said, the other week, he'd, he would be the probably the standout rider in yeah. this class. Yeah, exactly. Next, uh, eighth position for Fabio Di Gian Antonio. Digi in eighth, however, not really the story of his race. Um, he uh, pushed off Hector Garzo on lap seven. Um, he had to do a long lap penalty. He cut the entrance to the long lap penalty the first time he tried to do it and went wide on it. So he had to do it again. Yeah, it's 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 a tough one because you could see obviously clearly lost time, but he did cut it. But then obviously that forced him then to run wide, and he had to then pick the bike up. And he he looked visibly slower through it. But yeah, but, the, but yeah, it's, know, a, it's a black and white rule that you that you follow, and if you go out of it, you you you've got to redo it. Yeah, he may well be practicing those long lap penalties. Um, didn't quite pull it off to the form of Johan Zarco last year. <laughs> I don't uh, think that will ever be repeated. <laughs> well, we'll see, but I mean, that was something else. Yeah. Uh, next up, ninth place, uh, the first of the non Calix finishers, but Simone Corsi getting a good finish on the MV Augusta. Yeah, again, experience really showing in these tricky conditions. Yeah, followed up by uh, another non Calix rounding out the top 10. Jorge Navarro on the Boscos Curro gets a good finish. Um, <laughs> I know it sounds bad, but I'm actually quite surprised that Navarro finished the race. I was just about to say the same thing. I mean, <laughs> of all the races for Navarro to finish, he picks the one with the tricky conditions and manages <laughs> to bring it home in the top 10. <laughs> just needs to learn how to do it in the dry. Yeah, yeah. So that's the top 10 in the race. Um, I will just mention as well that Haffy Siren on the NTS scored a point in 15th. And he did. He just was only behind just... him. Was yeah, his, just, his teammate, Barry Bolters. Yeah, it was a great showing from the NTS. Maybe they found something, or maybe the weather helped them out slightly. Yeah. There was a few, there was a few fallers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, if we look down the list of non-finishers um, that may have helped <laughs> people climb into the points, um, Cameron Bobier again, sadly crashing out. He had, a, he had a really good ride as well. Oh, yeah, it was unfortunate because he was riding really good. A very similar story to he, he was battling at, with Strata uh, when he went down, I think. Yeah, he was. Yeah, very similar to his uh, tale of his weekend um, at Hereth. You know, dropping in a strong position towards the end of the race. Unfortunately, yeah, he's looking promising for Cam though. He's really developing well and coming coming on strong with this Moto Two bike. Yeah, yeah. I thought with this race, and I could see him sort of you know, around the top six. And I thought, wow, if things 
go, you know, a little bit of luck. Maybe I'll be right and he will get on the podium. And then <laughs> the next person to go down was him. And I was like, well, maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> he certainly is developing a lot quicker than I thought he would. So he, he very much could be in for a podium shout at some point. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm sticking by that. I'm sticking by my uh, my prediction that before the end of the year, we will see uh, CB up there on a podium in the Moto2 class. Mm. Definitely a top five. <laughs> Still not keeping the faith. <laughs> so we'll move on to the Premier class then. And again, uh, if if Moto Two was the the calm in between the chaos, then this race was unbelievable for so many reasons. Oh, to, it always delivers Le Mans in Moto GP and. An- our first, I think it's the first flag-to-flag race. Is it since 2017, is it, or 2016? Well, yeah. And before we start on the actual race, what is your opinion on flag-to-flag races? Bearing in mind, we don't have all night. <laughs> uh, so, to keep it short, um, I do like it, but that's as a fan's aspect, is it? And it, But from, at the same time... It, you can say, yes, it is kind of true racing because the race has started. You're all in the same situations. But it does make it, especially when that one lap, when they were on the slicks and it was absolutely chucking down. It's like, well, that's not fair. Because <laughs> they're just basically going around without the feet on the on the pegs, just hoping the bike stays upright. Yeah, I, I mean, my looking at it is, it's a spectacle where it keeps... You know, they don't have to stop the race where they do, like in the superbike classes, it'd be a red flag. And you go out and it, they form up on the grid in the positions where they are when the red flag comes out. And it adds that little bit of drama. However, I do not personally feel that the, the excitement and drama of swapping bikes in pit lane leads to a good overall race. There was lots of sort of action throughout this one however it normally ends with quite a spread out finish it does and also i actually do think it's quite dangerous not in the aspect like i mentioned earlier about staying on the bike the pit lane it's not like formula one where they're all very experienced pit lanes coming in and out of pit lane as in coming out the spaces it's all very they're used to it it happens every single race weekend yeah and we like we, this we... hasn't happened in three years it was absolute chaos and you had more Bedelli being pushed down the inside I thought someone was going to pull in or pull out and just completely wipe him out. Yeah, so there was an incident on uh, on one of the early laps. So I think, I it, was think lap- it was the first. It was the, it was the first lap. It was the very laps. first lap where Paul Espargaro, how he stayed on the bike, was very lucky. However, gets in between the two Sepang racing uh, Patronus Yamahas of Rossi and Frankie Morbidelli, and Frankie Morbidelli finds himself on the outside and goes down. Um, it. Uh, there's blame on quite a lot of parts, I think, with that. Uh, but... I, I, don't, I don't think it's poles or... I think it's just a racing incident. At the end of the day, Morbidelli was on the inside. Yeah, that's Pot, what He's I mean, slightly though. behind pole. It's, it's one shared... of those where pole's still going to turn into apex. He ended up just being squeezed. To be fair, I don't know how he didn't crash when the initial front Front got hit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And and I think, like you say, a racing is a shared responsibility between 
the three riders, including Rossi. Paul obviously not wanting to give up places and the other two trying to gain an advantage. It just led to a, a difficult situation. Mm. And it, um, it's historically a tough talk corner to overtake in normality. Yeah, and Frankie, you know, he, he dropped the bike and he looked like he'd tweaked his knee. And going back to the safety aspect in pit lane, and a few years ago we saw Mark Marquez fall over in pit lane. Um, but Frankie did this uh, on Saturday, I think it was, and twisted his knee quite badly. And you saw him grab that knee as soon as he came off on lap one. Yeah, it looked like he'd... As we know from other sports, maybe done like an ACL or something like that. The way he instantly just grabbed his knee, he looked, it looked because it looked pretty nothing when he just dropped off the bike. But he, yeah, you saw from the onboard, literally, as soon as he hit the floor, the first thing he did, both hands straight to the knee. Yeah, yeah, and able to remount. And like you say, gets into the pit lane. So the rain starts on lap four, and the riders come in to change bikes on lap five. and as they're coming in to swap bikes, Frankie's bike is being pushed up the inside of the pit lane, which was just unbelievable. I mean, within all this chaos, uh, before they come in with the leaders, Jack Miller's run off track. He's coming in. Mia crashes on his way round to come into the pit lane. It was it was just craziness. Yeah, and, and, and you had you had the wind picking up as well as Jack was coming in it blew all over the metal fencing on the inside of the pit line of course and and coming out of it we had you know um, Fabio Quattararo he went to the wrong pit box so he pulled in to Maverick Vinales's pit area jumped off the bike ran around to his bike obviously leaving his bike in front of the wrong garage um, and then coming out the pit lane you have uh, Rin's uh, Alex Rins going down straight away, and then both the factory Ducatis get long lap penalties for speeding in the pit lane. Yeah, it was absolutely <laughs> couldn't have been more bonkers. I don't think. <laughs> no, I, I, I honestly can't think of, of of a more sort of bonkers, as you said, race. And and then we got out there, and you know you have that front group. And Mark Marquez was looking like his old self for a little while. Yeah, I, I thought, oh, Mark's going to win this. And like we saw in the Moto3 and the Moto2, it just seemed like an off-throttle com- coming around the rear, uh, the final corner. The rear just lets go and flings him. Yeah, yeah. On lap nine, Mark Marquez down, out of the lead. However, not his only crash. He remounts and crashes again on lap 18. Yeah, he was... He just seemed to... He a bit like... Pedro Acosta earlier in the day, he just seemed to be pushing way too hard because, like, I think it was what I think it was probably Neil in the commentary. He was saying because he was going like one and a half, two seconds a lap quicker than anyone in the field. He's like, when you're going that much quicker than everyone else, you're going to fall off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's just an unbelievable race. Jack Miller uh, has his long lap penalty. He comes back, uh, finds absolutely phenomenal pace. Uh, to get past uh, Fabio Quattararo, who in turn had to do a long lap penalty of his own for going to the wrong pit box. Um, and just a dominant win for Jack Miller. Yeah, and we got, also we had the two Aprilias blowing up at the exact same place on the track. So, yeah, so very strange. Apart. Not something we're used to seeing, really, in MotoGP. There's not a lot of breakdowns. However, I did have flashbacks to... 
the testing when they brought the new bike out when yeah. Ian O'Neill was on it and it burst into flames. So, you know, when uh, when Alicia's Aprilia was smoking, I was thinking, get off it, get off it, get off yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. But uh, absolutely crazy. Jack Miller, an incredible performance to get his second win on the bounce, uh, his third win overall in the MotoGP class. This looks like a man really hitting his stride. Yeah, he was absolutely sublime. He, he he was pretty much obviously apart from the speed and in the pit lane, he was he was pretty much faultless. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you know, not um, just himself. Pekka Vanyaya also having to do the the long lap penalties. Um, a good day for Ducati as Johan Zarco, uh, his home GP, uh, an an amazing performance from him to come through uh, into to second place and. I feel like he backed off at one point when he realised he was going to run out of laps to catch Jack and settled for second. But he was the man on the move for quite a while in that race. It was. It did look like at a point he may just catch Jack. But I think, like Jack said, once he got to five laps left and he saw him still closing, he he put in a couple quick laps. And then, like you said, I think Zarco just admitted defeat, settled for the second and just dropped back a little. Yeah, but a really good day for France. Fabio Quattararo, not as comfortable in the wet on the Yamaha and with the long lap penalty. Um, but finishing third, so two Frenchmen on the podium in France. You have to believe the home fans. It's, it's such a shame that they weren't there to witness it. However, they must have really loved it. Yeah, and it was it was super super impressive from Fabio because, like he said before the weekend, he just he was like, "I want just all dry or all wet. If it's if it's half and half." He said, oh, it's going to be horrible for him. But to get a third, you could see what it meant to him across the line. He, it looked like when he crossed the line for his first win at the Jerez. Yeah, well, it was like a, a Frankie Morbidelli situation the weekend before, wasn't yeah. it? Where it was as good as a win for Fabio. And yeah. to do that at home, you know, and he, he will go into the championships at the end. But he did take um, the lead in the championship by one point over the man who finished in fourth. So close to my prediction of an all Ducati podium, <laughs> Pecco Bagnaia fourth. Yeah, it was it was a fantastic ride from Pecco to come from where he was on, I think he was 16th on the grid and then double long lap penalty. It was, it was a fantastic, fantastic yeah. ride. The Ducati certainly do work well in the wet. And I think it's, there was, I think they were saying in the commentary that, um, even though they're really powerful, it's very smooth on the delivery of the power, which obviously does help in the wet. Yeah, absolutely. And someone who knows a bit about that, um, a man who finishes in fifth place, the winner here last year, Daniello Petrucci. An excellent finish on the uh, Tectoir KTM. He definitely loves this track. Yeah, it was, and, and these conditions. It was great to see him up there because he's, he's a nice guy, Danilo. And yeah, he's had a tough, tough start to the year. And, and that bike does look pretty. <laughs> Yeah, very nice. Nice to see it on television. Um, he finished ahead of somebody else who had a good result here last year, Alex Marquez. Yeah, the it's the one twos, the now the five six. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And and he uh, finishing just ahead of his teammate uh, Takanakagami as well for the LCR. A, a good finish uh, for the Honda boys there. Then flying the flag just ahead of the factory Honda in eighth of Paul Espargaro. Yeah, and, and who knows where the the main guy at Honda could have finished if he if he wouldn't have had those two mistakes. Yeah, absolutely. Is he still the main guy at Honda? 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, ninth place, an excellent finish for Ika Laquona on the other Tectoir KTM. Yeah, it was a cracking ride. The two Tectoirs definitely um, flying the flag for KTM this weekend. Yeah, next up, two people. Um, I am a bit disappointed to see where they finished. 10th and 11th, the two other uh, twenty. 21 uh, Yamaha riders, Maverick Vinales, Valentino Rossi. There was such hope uh, for Valentino this weekend, qualifying in the top 10, just nothing really came of it. And Maverick, a really good start to the race and doing Maverick things. Yeah, to be fair, I'm surprised Maverick finished in the top 10. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there was quite a few (laughs) non-finishes. Yeah, that's true. you got a helping hand. (laughs) We'll just go down uh, the rest of the order. Luca Marini uh, finishing in the points on the uh, Sky VR46 Ducati ahead of the factory, uh, one remaining factory KTM in the race, Brad Binder. Uh, Anea Bastianini not uh, living up to my top 10 prediction this weekend. Uh, I think I had a look back and in wet weather races, actually, he didn't do so well. So not the most informed pick of mine. It's worth a punt, though. <laughs> yeah, and great to see Tito Rabat standing in there on the Fanlight Ducati before he opens his World Superbike campaign this weekend at Aragon, getting in the points there with a 15th finish, and again, like we said, getting the bike to the finish for Tito. Yeah, that's, that's all you can ask for, really, isn't it? Absolutely. Uh, but a, a race packed with drama all the way through, Um an absolutely unbelievable weekend of racing in all three classes. It wasn't it pretty good for my predictions. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So just before we move on to our predictions, I'll just have a look at the, the championship. So three championships still headed by Pedro Costa, but now 54 points ahead of a man who jumps up from seventh to second in the championship, Sergio Garcia. It's It's quite remarkable to see him actually get up that high into the standings just it's 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 remarkable just how up and down everyone sees and except for Acosta's has been so far yeah absolutely two more than two race wins worth of points uh, ahead in the championship now uh, and then he, he's on 103 points Sergio Garcia 49 Mino 47 with that finish in 11th Romano Fanati fourth on 46 with a 10th place finish and Nicolo Antonelli drops from third to fifth on 44 points after that non-finish. So behind Pedro Acosta, it's really, really close. Yeah. And uh, and you can also, obviously, we know they're kind of the same bikes, but we've got four different manufacturers in the top four with KTM, Gas, Gas, Honda, and then Husqvarna. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, brilliant in that perspective. Will anyone be able to track down Pedro Acosta Um Will he make any mistakes as we go through? A little bit of one, but a, a good recovery this weekend. Yeah, I, I, th- I think he'll be fine. If we look at the Moto2, this is a really close championship. Remy Gardner still leads the championship, but now by only one point over his teammate, Ralph Fernandez. Yeah, it's, it's the KTM show, really, at the moment. Yeah, they're on 89 and 88 points, respectively. Third place in the championship now, Marco Bezzecchi on uh, 72 points. 
him and Raul leapfrog uh, Sam Lowe's with another non-finish. He's on 66. And Fabio Di Gian Antonio, fifth in the championship, still on 60 points. So all to play for in that one, certainly. Yeah. Looking at the MotoGP, very much uh, the same. Fabio Quattararo leapfrogs Peko Banyaya, one point between them, 80 points and 79 points. Uh, Zarco and Jack Miller jump up a couple of places in the championship with their podium finishes. 68 points to Zarco, 64 to Jack Miller, and Maverick Vinales drops two with uh, a quite a disappointing race, as we said earlier, 56 points, but close at the top. Yep, it's, good. it's certainly going to be an interesting season. Yes, and talking of close points and uh, close championships, our predictions, uh, we'll just uh, take a look at them. The Moto3, uh, as we talked about a little bit earlier, um, we picked to win, I picked Mino, you picked Pedro Acosta, uh, I picked Masia second, you picked Sasaki, uh, I picked Binder third and you picked Masia third. None of them reached the podium, <laughs> so no points for us. Yay. The Moto 2, I had Sam Lowe's to win, as did you. Uh, Zero points there. I had Bezeki second, uh, so that's one point for me. Uh, Digi third, he didn't reach the podium uh, after punting off uh, Hector Garzo and that long lap, two long lap penalties as it stood. Uh, So just the one point for me. You had Remy Gardner second, and he was. So that's annoyingly two points for you. Uh, you had uh, Fernandez finishing third and he didn't finish the race. So you're up two points to one. And then it appears James had his crystal ball out once again. Uh, Jack Miller, you predicted to win. He did indeed. So that puts you on to four points. You correctly predicted uh, Johan Zarco to be second. So that's you on six points. Takanakagami didn't uh, come in for your third place, so the six points for you. Uh, I had Pekabanyai to win, sadly not quite making my Orducati podium prediction. Darker was third, so that's two points for me, so that's three. And I get one point for Jack Miller as I had him on third and he won the race. So once again, Stanley, you win. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> um, so this uh, takes the overall score to you are now on 30 and I am now on 25. Ooh, pulling away. Yes, a very, very good weekend for you on the predictions. Thankfully helped out by some weather. <laughs> <laughs> so moving so, on to this one, who have you got for our superbike predictions? Because there's three races, isn't there, in the Superbikes? There are indeed, yes. So, shall I go through them race for all of the races and then you can tell me the same? Uh, we, we'll do it race by race. Okay. So, race one, of course, happens on the Saturday in the World Superbikes as they kick off at Aragon, which uh, I'm very excited to see. So, race one, Aragon, I am going Scott Redding to win followed by Johnny Ray and a debut podium for Jonas Folger. Ooh, that is interesting. I've, I've gone quite similar. I've gone Redding to win race one. But I've actually gone second place, his teammate, Michael Ruben Rinaldi. Oh, okay. And then a third place for Jonathan Ray. Right, okay. So Ray slipping down the order uh, between the two. 
for the Super Bowl race, the sprint race on the Sunday morning, um, I don't think I could deny this man the victory in this one. He's so dominant in the sprint races. Johnny Ray to win. Uh, I've gone another man who shows really good pace. Uh, I've gone for top rack Razgato Aglu to come in second. And I've gone for Michael Ruben Rinaldi to finish third in this one. Oh, that's, that's that's a good good three. That is, I was I was tempted with top rack. I actually had him in it so at one point, and then I've, I took him out. So my super pole is actually a mix up of the race. My race one, so I've actually got Ray taking the win. So same as me, yeah. Followed up by Scott Redding, followed by Michael Rubin Ronaldo. Okay, so uh, my predictions for race two. Uh, I've got Johnny Ray winning again, Scott Redding in third, and just because I really want to see it, Garrett Gerloff in third. So just to make sure that was Redding in second, yeah? Yeah, Redding second, Gerloff third. Wow, that is interesting because I've gone for race two. I've actually gone Redding, followed up by Ray, and then in third place, I've gone Garrett Gerlach. Hey, there we go. <laughs> so we're both pulling for the American. Um, yeah. And we'll see how we get on with those predictions uh, this weekend. Of course, Aragon, um, I can't wait to see the start of this Superbike. I can't wait to see the potential in this championship really come through. Yeah, I think this could be one of the best Superbike years we've had in a long time. Well, time will tell. We'll keep up to date, obviously, with the qualifying and the races over the weekend. Uh, Unfortunately, that's all the time we've got uh, for this episode. Uh, It's been great to review an absolutely exciting uh, French GP from Le Mans for the MotoGP. And we look forward to hopefully another great, exciting weekend of racing, as we say, from Aragon in the World Superbikes this coming weekend. Yes, and all our, inf- all our predictions for this and updates throughout the weekend and talking points will be found on our social media. Our Twitter is at FTGT Podcast, and our Facebook is From the Gravel Trap Podcast. Thank you very much for listening. <laughs>